I'm Chad Sharp, and you're listening to the Golden Mike Podcast with the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Water Sports' biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on the water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano. Welcome, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano. We're coming at you from Orlando, Florida, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. This audio podcast is based off the lake life, my passion for toad water sports, and the athletes who have helped sculpt the landscape of the sport we love. Twice a month, I'll be chatting it up with the industry's top names, past and present, the riders, and the people behind the scenes who make this world on the water spin. The Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you for free on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes and at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, Woodrow's, Hydra Fenders, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards SUP, Deck Marine Products, and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast, free on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review the show. Spread the word, tell a friend, tell all your friends. Everything helps, and I appreciate all the support. Follow me on Instagram, at DanoTMano. I also have two Twitter accounts, at TheDanoTMano and at the Golden underscore Mike. Make sure you follow them both. You can feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or email me goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Jeff Langley. Langley is a very stylish rider known for going huge. I wouldn't call him a contest guy, but I would never count him out. He's coached some of the best at some of the best facilities in the nation and he now drives some of the biggest events in the world. Jeff Langley has worked his way up the ranks, and he's now a very respected individual within our sport. Toadwater Sports flows through his blood. His dad, Shay Langley, a respected and decorated skier in his own right, and now Jeff carries on the tradition. I'm excited to sit down, ask some questions, and learn more about my friend and possibly your favorite future wakeboarder. I'll be back with my guest Jeff Langley on this, the 23rd episode of the Golden Mike Podcast, here in just one minute. Or we'll actually, we'll make it less than a minute. How about 30 seconds? We'll be back with Jeff Langley. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and a love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrow's handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Follow Woodrow's on Instagram at Woodrow's or check them out online at woodrow's.com. That's W-O-O-D-R-O-Z-E.com. He's from Georgia and he resides in Orlando, Florida. He's graced the covers of the finest wakeboarding publications. He's a coach, a personality, and an athlete. 
Malibu Boats and O'Brien Pro Team Rider, Jeff Langley. Thank you, my friend, for being here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Yeah, Deno. Thanks for having me. Yeah, brother. It's uh, it's really cool. And once again, we are roaming around mobile studio-wise, and we're, we're hanging out with you. We're in your spot. Uh, I like to do this now that we've been doing a lot of our episodes mobile. Tell, tell everybody listening where we're at. We are on Clear Lake, downtown Orlando, uh, my home spot where I've been the last seven, eight years or so, and uh, we're kicking it on a beautiful night, clear skies, no wind, and just floating about on my Malibu boat. That's right, that's right. Well, you say clear skies, it looks like about 40 miles from where we're recording tonight, there's some some lightning. You keep assuring me that it's heat lightning. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a little, you know, spice in the background. It looks I, good. I, I don't know that just because it's hot out and it's lightning outside, I don't know that that constitutes heat lightning. Well, I thought, I mean, it was pretty hot and there's lightning. Yeah. It's heat lightning. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right, my friend. Yeah, it's easy. Hey, well, so we're here. This is the MXZ, the 22, right? Yes, sir. The 22 MXZ. And I'm, I've been seeing a lot of stuff with you uh, on the road in some of the new boats. I know you've been kind of the poster boy for this for this new 25, can we expect to be uh, recording our next episode in that 25 LSV? Oh, Dano, you come out here in about a month and a half, and we'll be sitting in that 25 LSV. Yeah, I'm going to hold you to that promise, amigo. You know what? You should do more than just come out and do your podcast. You should come out and do a little surf sesh, too. Maybe. Maybe a surf sesh. Maybe maybe I'll trick. Maybe even wakeboard. Hey, you could barefoot, too, if you wanted to. I know. Well, I mean, I've, I've barefooted behind this boat, I think, that we're in right now. The 22. This, this exact one? Yeah, mine, I think mine? I've barefooted behind your boat before. but Without me? Without. Uh, uh, I'm what, not sure. Wait. We were with the Tommies guys. Oh, okay. Dave Lewis Oh, and that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But um, you know that I landed my first ever flip behind a Malibu. I do know that. That was just a couple weeks ago at a... Uh, was it a week? A couple weeks ago at a a couple of weeks, event? a couple of weeks and a year ago. Yeah, it was at last year. It was last year. Yeah, it was already. I last know year. I was there for that. You know, dude, the last couple of months have been a blur for me. So, uh, you know, months, years, it's all the same. We we work together a lot. I know. I was gonna say you haven't been in town much, and obviously, uh, uh, we've been trying to do this this podcast here in Orlando. It seems like our schedules have been aligning more often on the road than in Orlando these days. So. All kinds of fun stuff. What, have, what what kind of cool stuff have you been up to? Well, like I said, the last month or two, two and a half have been kind of a blur. Um, from the WWA events to bro stock to the rider experiences. Um, you know, I've I've really been on the go lately. So ta- let's let's talk about the WWA rider experience events. Uh, it's a series of five events this season. I think it's in its third year, and. This is my third year getting to announce some of the events on the Malibu Rider Experience, but I get to be a part of the entire tour, and you and I have been working quite a few of these events together. How have you enjoyed being a part of the series? Um, man, it's it's actually pretty cool to see all the different scenes throughout the United States. I mean, this is where it all originally begins with the up-and-comers. You know, you, you got these kids that start out at these little events, and they catch an eye here catch an eye there and then you know it's like five years later they're pretty much taking my job yeah you know we 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 go to these events and they've got the top amateur riders from across the country these are actually regional events 
And it's cool to see, you know, you rewind the clock and it wasn't that long ago where guys like Mike Dowdy or Josh Twelk or, or Harley Clifford, where these were those guys in those amateur divisions just crushing it, you know? Yeah, and speaking of Mike Dowdy, I don't know how many years ago, but I do remember um, working at Gravity Research when, do you remember the transfer box when that was a big hit on tour? Yeah. He came there to learn to hit the transfer box for the tour, and then I got to know him, got to know his mom, you know, and kind of what, what they were doing, what they were all about. I was living here on Clear Lake with, uh, I was living at Shane's house with Harrington, and they were in town, and I was just like, yeah, you know, you guys should come out and just ride behind the boat with me one time or whatever. And this kid's learning, like, roll to blind and tantrum to blind and maybe a heel five and stuff. And now look at him. Did you just watch his recent X Games edit? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. You know, I'm a traditional boat guy. I love the rails. I love the cable. I love all the, the cool stuff to, that all the guys are doing nowadays. But when it comes down to it, I'm a traditional boat guy, and I don't know. I I have to say Dowdy's was probably in my top three favorite videos. Easily, easily. As If you're a traditional boat guy, Dowdy's would more than likely been your number one. Yeah, you know, and actually, uh, Dowdy was my first guest on the Golden Mike podcast ever, believe it or not. That was uh, that was pretty cool. Like, so I, I kind of saw him. I kind of saw that he was coming up through the ring, so quite a while ago. You knew what was coming. I knew it was coming. Hey, well, let's talk a little bit more about boats. Um, Malibu Boats, your sponsor. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of the cool media, that new 25 LSV. Uh, you kind of seem to be the poster boy for it. Is that Would that would I be off on that statement? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I went up to Knoxville about a month ago, um, and they kind of pitched an idea to me about a new boat coming out, and... I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to come up and check it out and shoot it and went up there. Fell in love with it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a hit from the go. You know, everybody has been, at least all the athletes that have been able to see it, you know, not it's not been out in front of many people yet. Um, But it's been a real hit, man. It's It's been a real pleasure riding behind that thing, driving it, surfing, everything. It's been awesome. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get my chance to take a ride behind that boat myself and uh you seem to be the guy who's going to have it in his backyard uh your role at malibu i know you're obviously an athlete you've been competing for some time but uh, it seems like your role is more than just an athlete at malibu boats what what more do you what more do you really do there you know more than being an athlete for them um i obviously don't show up on the podium too often um and i think i'm more of just like a connection for the customer or the consumer to the brand. Um, you know, I, li- I like to show people all about the product, how it works, and I think that, you know, that's really good for Malibu, and I, I think they're really seeing, you know, the benefits of someone playing that role and still being an athlete, um, you know, and, and having a, a respect for the brand or, you know, being able to show people what, what it's all about. Yeah, because you are more than just a rider, you know, you you dabble, you can do anything basically behind a boat. You're a towed water sports enthusiast. You've been a part of the industry in one way or another for for a really long time. As the listeners are going to get to hear throughout the rest of this interview. Um, but with that being said, are there any contest expectations for you from Malibu? Um, 
you know, luckily at the at this point there aren't. I, I battled a minor ankle injury at the beginning of the year, uh, which, you know, I, I told them about as soon as it happened just because, you know, I didn't want them to to feel like I needed to be doing well in contests when I couldn't even compete. But so I was out the first two major events of the WWA World Series and they were completely okay with it. Aside from that, I've been to all their other events, you know, been promoting as, as best I can and, and selling boats as best I can, basically, and they seem to be really pumped, so. Well, I feel like at the end of the day, that's honestly what's most important in our jobs is to, to sell boats. I mean, you can be the best in the world, but if you're getting no exposure and selling no boats, then what's your worth as an athlete, really? Very true, very true. You also drive a lot of uh, the Pro-Am events, the WWA events, um, like the Wake Open and the uh, the Pro-Am that happened. Does knowing you're not getting paid, I mean, does knowing that you are getting paid no matter how you perform as an athlete that weekend, does that take some of the pressures off of competing for you? You know, in, in a way it does, um, but you, there's always somebody working harder than you, no matter what whether it's in the selling boats aspect of it or competing aspect of it, you always want to be doing the best that you possibly can, no matter what aspect of the industry that you're in. So um, kind of, but not really. You know, I, I always, I'm a competitive person. And I really, even though I'm not on the top, you know, especially this year, you know, I, I rode the tour one year and did fairly well, like a year or two ago. And then this year I, I battled an ankle injury um, and not been able to really compete, but it gets to me, man. It, it really does. So that's why I do the absolute best that I can in all the other aspects because I've kind of fallen behind in the competitive side of it. So what you're trying to say is that you and Kyle Rattray have like this competitive uh, boat th- uh, drivers thing going on? Yeah, you know, we like to see who can keep the best line, make make all the other athletes that are super, you know, in the top ranking, see who can be the best boat driver for them. So what did you guys do? Edge Travis Moya out of the tour or something? Well, <laughs> you know, he's getting older. I mean, you know, you got to retire at some point. What is he, like? 38? <laughs> hey, Way so, too old. So so talking about boat driving, how often does, like, an athlete or maybe, like, one of their parents try to blame you or, or tell you how to drive at an event? It It rarely happens. Um, to be honest with you. And reason being is because I think we come from Travis Moy, like with both Kyle and I, there, there ain't nobody who drives a boat better than him. So there's nobody, you know, you might make a mistake here and there, but it's not like somebody's going to come down there and be like, Oh, you need to do this, 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 and this. That just, it ain't going to happen. You never had someone be like, Oh, you turned on my kid. I mean, I did have someone do that actually at one of the the uh, WWA events just a couple weeks ago, but I had everybody in the boat backing me, and I was just like, it was the end of the lake. I could either pull this thing up on shore with no trailer, or, you know, cut cut you off on your trick. Create created your own boat launch out there. Yeah. Anything that re- anything ever happened that grinds your gears, you know, or do you ever hear anything like that from from maybe I don't know one of the officials like oh so and so's parent was over here blaming you for their kid out there. I mean that stuff always happens, but I don't let it grind my gears. I'd say mostly is when you get in the boat with somebody and they're trying to tell you how to drive sitting right next to you, and it's just like man, just let me do my job. 
<laughs> this like, is my job. Let me do it. Yeah. Like when I'm announcing and someone's in my ear and I'm just like, dude, I've been paid for 10 years to do this, but leave me alone. Hey, I'm always down for constructive criticism, but. Oh, well, of course. Sometimes I got like that drunk guy in my ear being like, ah, give me the microphone. I can do this better than you. And I'm just like, ah, if that was the case, buddy. Well, at least my guys aren't drunk trying to tell me how to drive. <laughs> yeah, good call. Well, you know, I'm a man. I'm a man of the fans. I'm in the crowd. Sometimes that just happens. Usually, yeah. that's at like rail jams. So, let's uh, rewind it all the way back. How did you get introduced to wakeboarding? When did you start riding? Man, I was. Uh, I've been on the water from the get go, pretty much. My dad was a water skier at Northeast Louisiana. Um, then he and my mom kind of helped run a water ski school together up in Georgia. And got into school, got into the typical high school sports, the ball sports. Um, and then my senior year in high school, I guess from the time that I'd gotten out of it to the time that my buddy, my senior year, bought a boat. My a best friend of mine bought a wakeboard boat my senior year in high school. And from that time, um, wakeboarding had taken over pretty much the water ski era, I guess. He bought a boat 2004, 2005. And that was when it was pretty much booming, you know. And that at that point, you know, I dropped out of a soccer scholarship to college. It wasn't anything big, but it was still like a commitment, you know, to go to school, do your four years, get your degree, move on. And I dropped all that. I fell right back in love with being on the water. Um, and that's pretty much this is where it's come. So, so you were you were you actually doing a bunch of water skiing growing up, or? From not, I mean, in a way I was, I was around it a lot, but I wasn't really doing it because... Was it more of like a recreational thing out, out on the weekends, getting up on two skis, maybe riding a kneeboard, maybe pulling some tubes? Yeah, you know, we pulled a couple tubes, but mostly, uh, mostly it was my dad just letting me kind of go after he was done with his ski school. And honestly, I remember him being able to control like where what I was doing on the skis, like with the wakes. I was so small, I was on two skis. He could like whip me out, kind of make me turn left or make me turn right. And I was that young, so it wasn't like it, I mean, it, it did translate to wakeboarding, but it wasn't like, oh, I had this major water ski background to where, you know, I jumped right into wakeboarding and could do all this crazy stuff or whatever. And you got siblings too, right? Oh yeah, I got a younger uh, sister. And then younger than my sister, I have a brother. And are were they into it at all? Yeah, I mean, my sister, I've seen her get on a wakeboard and cut harder than anybody in the world that I've ever seen cut, which she did not need to be doing. And then uh, my brother's really into it. He's into wake skating, actually. He's a big wake skater. And in the past uh, year or so, I've seen him surf a lot more than ever. Yeah, I think I've actually announced for your brother uh, wake skating in, at, at some events. I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell you what event it was, but... Yeah, he's he's definitely been he's been around. He's been to a few events. You mentioned your dad and water skiing, and and you mentioned kind of where he went to school. It sounds like you're being kind of coy about it. I heard your dad's actually kind of a of a big deal in water skiing, or at least was like in the '70s or so. I I don't. I mean, I know he ripped it on a trick ski, um, and I'm learning more and more about how you know good my dad was back in the day by these i've been randomly going to water ski events for malibu lately which i think i just saw you at one and i'll kind of bump into people and you know tell you know shake hands tell them who i am and they'll be like 
are you Shay Langley's son? And I'll just be like, yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, you know, back in the day, I think he was, he had a pretty good presence in the water ski industry. Does that influence you at all? Oh yeah. I mean, he, like I said, growing up, you know, from day one to up to middle school, we were on the water and stuff. And, and I mean, yeah, I, I sat in, in all kinds of classes daydreaming about water skiing instead of whatever math problem my you know teacher was talking about or whatever we were reading or whatever it was all i was thinking about being on the water the entire time all right so you guys had that ski school this is in atlanta georgia yeah he uh you know he did lessons all over georgia but he had his private lake up in uh, rome georgia and is it true that like some of today's best water skiers came through there right i mean he, I, I'm pretty sure he did coach Regina. Regina Jaquis. Jaquis, yeah, yeah. He did. He taught her how to go around a buoy or two. I think that's that's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive, and and obviously the coaching kind of rubbed off on you. You've been instructing for a long time. I when I first heard of you, you were a coach up in Jacksonville. This is probably 2005 ish. I'm guessing era at uh, the X camp up that I don't know if it's around anymore. But uh, also from there, when you moved down to Florida, I also recall you working with Travis Moy at the boarding school, and you also mentioned gravity research. Is there anywhere else that, you, that you've that you kind of done some instruction or coached? You know, that that's pretty much the main three things. Gravity research was my first gig coaching, which you know what's really ironic about that is my dad started out at Linda Giddens Ski School 20 years prior to me working in Gravity Research, which they both, Linda Giddens Ski School and Gravity Research, are in the same town in South Georgia, in Eastman, Georgia, but completely separate, like no, nothing to do with each other. We just randomly started our first gigs water skiing in Eastman, Georgia. And then, yeah, from there I moved to Jacksonville. What timeline? Like when was that, Jacksonville? Um, Jacksonville was probably 2006 to 2008, 2009, I believe. And gravity was, you know, 2005, 2006. I actually overlapped gravity research with X camp. So I'd, I'd work there on the weekends and then X camp during the week up in Jacksonville. Yeah. I know my boy, Jarek Graff used to work up at X camp too. Got a guy from Illinois that, uh, he'd always be talking about you. How did you get your first opportunity? What was like, like, how did you get started coaching? Um, you know, pretty much just networking with, you know, as many people as I could and, and keeping a good name and a, and a good brand to my name. Um, I think it helped a lot being at Gravity and that people would like to come through there on the way up to Atlanta for the tour stop up there. They would always come to Gravity, hit the, hit the transfer box. And I just kind of had a good little knack for teaching people how to hit transfer box, um, or the transfer box. So, and I think that just kind of went from gravity to, I met Travis Probst and Travis Probst in, introduced me to Dave Lewis at X camp and it just went so on and so on, which, you know, the whole Dave Lewis thing, uh, with X camp led into this Malibu thing that just happened two years ago, which I'm, I've worked with Dave obviously eight, nine, ten years ago. So I've just been connecting the dots all, all along the way. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It all it all uh, it all comes around and and full circle, as we always say. And it's crazy how it happens. You never, you know, 
seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, I would have never even thought of this. No doubt. Have you coached anybody famous? Um, I'm trying to think, man, off the top of my head. Well, I know Malibu's got that connection with a couple of those country stars. They and also like Levi Lavalley, the Snowcross. Snow, they do. Um, you know, and I, I haven't. I've only been with them a little over a year, so I'm not to that point where I've gotten to meet those guys. However, I am going to Nashville this weekend to work an event for Malibu. So maybe up there I'll get to hang out with some of the guys up there. Yeah, Music City. Yes, sir. Right? Well, if it's not, it's close enough. I'm like There's... I'm like looking around the boat at the producer, but it's pitch black out here. We're sitting in the middle of the lake on Jeff's Malibu, so I, I can't get a, a head shake like, yes, it is Music City. But I think it is Music City. It's a great place. How about um, we talked about the boys' riders a little bit ago, some of the uh, top young up-and-coming athletes in the country, and I have been hearing through the grapevine, this is where I get everything, they're the tastiest grapes, I hear this this grapevine, that you've been working with one of the top boys' riders, Rocker Steiner, out there in Austin, Texas. Yes, sir, I have, and let me tell you, that kid is going to be a force to reckon with here in about three or four years. He's already really good. He came out to the the Nautique Wake Open in Waco earlier this year, and he did this tantrum to blind, and he like landed it, and he he landed it like I like looked at him in the eyes, and it was just so big, so perfect. But even he looked kind of surprised. He's he's a pretty insane rider. What kind of what kind of stuff are you teaching him right now? Well, just to step up that tantrum to blind. Yesterday, um, right before I flew home. Or no, the day before. I flew out at 6 a.m. yesterday. The day before, he's like, hey, I, I kind of think I want to try a Moby Dick. And I was like, well, you've been riding for like 45 minutes. I don't really recommend trying something new, um, you know, after been riding that long. But if you really want to give it a go, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I think I'll give it a go. Dude, sticks it. When one of the first or second sets, like he, he tried it for two or three times. That set comes back out the very next step, set, six, sticks it first or second try. And then I was uh, on Instagram and I saw you landed one too. Is that right? In your uh, first one? Nah, I didn't really land one. I, I do this really weird thing on a Moby Dick where I just pass the handle to my back hand and then I do a tantrum instead. Oh, you you don't make the 360? I, I just, for whatever reason, don't really like doing the 360. That was like me when I was a kid growing up, I would hit the ramp wrapped up for a helicopter and I would land wrapped up for a helicopter. I just could never make the rotation. You know, the whole time I was like, cause we went out rockers. Like, you know, if I try one of these, you got to try one. I was like, all right, done deal. He goes out, nearly sticks the thing. And I'm like going out there and I'm like, Oh God, try it. And all I'm thinking is if I get the handle, I'll do this, you know, because it, you, you see everybody else do it. They get the handle pass and then it just unwinds them. I get the handle, but I don't, Nothing happens. I just continue the tantrum, and it's done. I land with a with a handle in my back hand doing a tantrum. Are you looking in the direction you want to spin? I don't know. This I, is Daniel the Mano giving uh, lessons to Jeff Langley here in the boat. <laughs> I kind of just close my eyes. I don't really know. I just like, all right, I got the handle, backflip. What are what are some other tricks that people would probably expect that you could land? You know, like that are normally kind of stock go to tricks that you probably should be able to land that you don't do. Um, I have never done a Tootsie Roll before, ever. How about a Dum Dum? Well, that's just one step beyond a Tootsie Roll. 
I never, know. Never done that either. A Tootsie Roll. And that, I mean, definitely not an easy trick, but if you look in some of the, it, it's pretty much the a go-to trick for Groms. Oh, yeah. Go-to trick for Groms. You, you even see it in some of the pros out there. Yeah, it, it's kind of mellowed out, though. The Tootsie Roll's kind of mellowed out, though, as a trick, huh? Yeah, I'd say it's mellowed out. Um, who else uh, have you worked with or are you working with now? Rockerstein or any anybody else, uh, any uppercomers or any other pros that you're helping polish? You know, I'm I'm not been able to work too much with anybody, um, but I'm always giving tips out, at, especially at the rider experiences. I'm never, like, not going to drive somebody in a contest and see them, like, you know, know their past, like if they're working on a certain trick, they're trying in a contest and not going to give them a pointer. I mean, if I can see something that's obvious, I'm always going to throw it out at somebody. But no, you know, other than uh, I've just been passing through Austin a lot on, on road tra- or traveling and, and whatnot. So I'm always working with him if I have an extra day or two in town, but not anybody really outside of that. It's a beautiful thing, Jeff Langley. You're giving back and uh, I got to hand it to you. You're giving back to the sport and they love it. Hey, 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 let's uh, let's take a quick break from this conversation and hear about one of our awesome sponsors real fast. What do you say? Let's take a quick break now and talk about GoPuck. Enjoy mobile freedom with wearable power. The GoPuck is an ultra-lightweight and compact charger storing enough power to charge any mobile device. Designed for the active lifestyle, GoPuck gives you durable power solutions and fits in the palm of your hand. I'm always on the go and GoPuck helps me keep all my devices charged all the time. Whether it's riding my bike, at the beach, or on the boat, I can charge all of my devices. I use it on flights every week and wouldn't. I couldn't leave home without it. The Golden Mike Podcast is powered exclusively by GoPuck, powering our Zoom recording device and GoPro cameras. Use promo code MANO2015 for an extra 20% off. Again, go to gopuck.com forward slash Mano, and don't forget to use the promo code Mano2015. Jeff, so you live with Jimmy LaRich, and you have now for a long time. I want to hear it. What are the best and the worst? Well, easily the best are being able to live on the lake. He's got his boat, I've got my boat, and... Just kind of wake up and go ride whenever you want, whenever it's nice out. Uh, he is He's better than me at golf, which is almost the worst, but I kind of like that. It's the best at the same time because I can learn from him. I can watch him. I'm hot on his heels, too, on that golf course. So I um, – well, actually, before I get to this, I want to hear, what about the worst? There's got to be some worst. You know – I mean, like you said, I've been living with him for almost six years. There's not that many worsts about it. I mean, I will say, sometimes I do wake up and the AC is on 62 degrees. And my room is right next door to the AC unit. It's like just over, it goes right over the wall and into my room. But I mean, I've I've learned to be okay with sleeping in the summertime with an electric blanket. It's just... Something I've gotten accustomed to. So he likes to call. He's warm blooded. He is. He's warm blooded. I was. I was lucky enough to be roommates with Jimmy uh, on a fox trip. And um, what? What were your best and your worst with him? Well, my best were that um, Jimmy always goes to sleep before I do. What? Yep. 
The worst. Wait, I always go to sleep before Jimmy does. I guess on the road. You know, Jimmy, for years, him and I had these battles. Oh, you know, I used to be like, oh, Jim, I'm going to tuck you in like a little baby. And then one time, one time he stays awake later than me. And he never lets it go. But, you know, I'm an insomniac. I'm up late. I'm out late. And uh, especially when Jimmy LaRich is my, my roommate in my hotel, I'm I'm not going to let him... I was awake and I still woke up with, I was awake longer than him. I still woke up with giant wieners drawn all over my back. So, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got written on while I was wide awake. Oh, so you're kind of okay with it. Yeah. My best and worst. Hmm. My, my best with Jimmy is when he's not holding on to a Sharpie. My worst with Jimmy is he doesn't have any control but to draw all over people. It's still really hard to believe that. He went to bed before you did. Two nights in a row. I should have so, taken photos of him snoring like did, a little baby. Did you draw on him? I would never do that. It's it's weird. You can't really draw on Jimmy because you do. He's going to get mad at you. Well, it sounds like he can dish it, but he can't <laughs> take it. Hey, he's your roommate. You know, and and not to really just whatever on Jimmy here, but J- I, I knew I was recording with you, and so I asked Jim to throw some some facts or something that I could say. All he says to me is Jeff Langley steals my boxers and socks. Is he lying? Is it true? Dano, there was a time when I, you know, Jimmy pulled me off the streets of Orlando and I was like roughing it and I might have needed an extra pair of undies or socks. Yeah, but he's not saying that he gives them to you. He's saying that you that he just keeps finding them in your laundry, like you're stealing them. Well, what really happened is, so Jimmy has this massive pile of laundry. And when I say massive, I mean it's been sitting in the laundry room for years on years. And here I am trying to eat three meals a day, struggling. And I'm just like, these socks are just sitting here and these... Underwear, he just keeps getting packages and packages. And they're of all nice. these clothes, and yeah, and all they need to be done, like, they just need to be washed. And instead of me having to go spend money on them, I could just wash these. Because I know he's only worn them once. And it's good for the environment, too. Yeah, and, you know, I was repping his brand, and I thought, you know, people are looking at me while I'm working in these retail stores in downtown, working the bar. I'll wear this. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy was your sponsor, man. Yeah, Jimmy sponsored you, me. You left that out on your best and worst of Jimmy. He sponsored me. Your years of, of sponsorship. So Adam Arrington's your next door neighbor. How often do you, Jimmy and Adam, like ride together? Um, depending on the time of year it is, you know, we we ride together a lot. Or like I said, the last two and a half months have been a blur for me on the road, and my boat's been sitting out of the water for the last month. And we, you know, I just now dropped it in today, right before we did this podcast. So, you were out doing a little wake surfing today. We did. You know, I went over to Watson's house this morning. I rode, um, came back here. Watson came over here. We went surfing. Um, yeah. So we, we were doing a little wake surfing earlier. Yeah. You said a, a moment ago that uh, Jimmy pulled you off of the streets, but I, re- I recollect you living with some other people. I know you mentioned Shane. Has it just been... Shane and, and Jimmy, are those the two houses that you lived in here in Orlando, or have you uh, couch surfed any other pros? Yeah, those are those are the two houses here, but what would happen is I would um, every summer go up to Jacksonville to work X camp, 
So I would spend three, four, or five months up there making that last as long as I could. And then I would bounce right back here. And my parents live in Ocala, or my dad lived in Ocala. So stay with him along the way. And then I figured, you know, after working in X camp all summer up in Jacksonville, I was like, maybe I'll come back to Orlando and train all winter. And I was trying to find a job in Orlando and trying and trying and trying. And then Jimmy bought a house here. And he was like, hey, if you want to live here, man, I'll hook you up. You got a spot to live. And I just had to come up with a job. And then finally I did. And it was just enough to pay rent. And that's about it. <laughs> well, talking about that job, I remember those days. You were you were working at Burton. Um, and if I remember correctly, you were probably pulling about 40 hours a week. And it, it kind of reminds me of my situation when I moved to Florida. In 2002, I moved down with Eric Ruck. And that was right after he had won the um, the Worlds and, and the Pro Wakeboard Tour. And I got a job working sales at Performance Ski and Surf. And I remember every morning waking up, I would take the one to nine shift so that I could party at night but the, and, and ride in the morning. But the problem was, was I'd party at night. So the riding in the morning didn't really happen. I remember I would leave a lot um, for work around 1130 or noon. And the boys would all just be kind of waking up from the night before, getting ready to hit the, uh, to hit the water. And used used to give me kind of sour grapes a little bit. Do you ever have feelings like that? Oh yeah, you you did the one to nine. I did the three to eleven. So we had the same. You know, we kind of come from the same place. Um, yeah. I mean, struggle is real. You know, you gotta you gotta work for it. So it's cool to see. Where you know where things were and and that hard work does pay off and you know it, it's cool to cool to be you know an, an ambassador of that sort of that sort of, that sort of thing. So and I'm not saying that it it wouldn't be easy for any other of these athletes who maybe have never had to work a forty hour a week job, but I always I'm I'm always kind of thankful the fact that yes I've had a seven or eight years where I don't have to put forty hours a week in. But I also know that if it ever comes down to it, I know what 40 to 60 hours is. Work is healthy. There's there's no way around that. Everybody needs to be able to, you know, it's almost like they need to have to put work in for at least a few years. Just be on the grind, you know, to really experience life and who you are and what you want to do. And I'm I'm thankful for it. At the time, I hated it. And I still hate it, even though I don't do it anymore. But I'm I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, but you, you, you're still working, though, and we go to, like, those rider experience events where you're driving the boat or you're judging, and, and not just you, all the Malibu team riders are there, and, and everybody's kind of had to step their game up. Guys aren't just getting boats anymore just because they're great riders, and you have to bring something to the table nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's true that I'm still working, but I guess it's just different that I'm I'm doing what I love, so... It's not really work. Like when I when I worked retail, eleven to three or three to eleven. I'm sorry, I hated it and that was serious work. But now, I can work. You know, sun up to sundown, thirty five days straight. But it's I love it. It's not but work. You're, you you're know, driving so. a boat, getting a tan, and taking two sets at the same time. Yeah, and and inspiring people to to be involved in our sport. So yeah, it's great. Hey, so who were some of the riders that actually influenced you growing up? Man, I'll uh, I'm gonna put it all. Sean Murray was 
the man Parks ripped it up to. You saw awesome videos of him and a lot of the the Hyperlight crew when I was coming into it was massive. They were like the team. Um, but because my dad and Travis Moy were actually really good buddies growing up together. My dad taught Travis Moy how to water ski and, and go to, you know, he went with them to events and all that. Um, and then Travis started working with Murray at the camp and that just translated right into Murray being my hero. Basically like me being Travis's friend, Travis works for Murray and I, I saw like a couple videos of Murray and I was just like, Oh my God. That guy's insane. So were you coming to Orlando and riding with Travis and Murray? You know, I did once or twice um, when I was in college. My dad and I came down here uh, to Orlando and, and rode a couple times with him, but not a lot, no. But I, I just, I met Murray at Masters uh, a couple different years. And, I mean, the guy, the guy's one of the most likable guys in the industry, obviously. Yeah, he's a class act for sure. He really is. I mean, it doesn't get any better. And then you got to see him ride. I I think I even saw him ride the year that he blew his knee out. And he was kind of clowning the water skiers at Masters doing all these inverts and still running the, the slalom course at the same time. I mean, I don't know if he was really taking a stab at them, but it was kind of funny, you know. He's behind this wakeboard boat running right through the middle of the course. Rolled reverts and his chromobes and whatever. And around still all six going, buoys. Yeah, going around all six buoys and the gates and everything. So, um, But, and you know, even I learned the most from him and Murray working for those guys. Uh, so it, it's been really cool to see what what he's all about. And he's been a real role model in my career. So, Is your dad... Still skiing or is your dad wakeboarding now? Oh, my dad, well, he doesn't get on the wakeboard, but if he did, watch out Sean Murray. Because he used to rip a trick ski, man. He would, you know. Well, I was going to say, because I know when you were working at the boarding school, you guys got all into slalom skiing. You guys got so into slalom skiing that the boarding school is also a slalom ski school now, too. Well, when you got courses running north and south, east and west, what is it? Northwest, southeast. How are you not gonna slalom ski? Yeah, I hey, I and agree. It's it's the best workout. You it. There's not a better thing to do to get in shape, especially for wakeboarding. You go turn some balls once, twice, two, two, three times a week. You're in some serious wakeboard shape. I I think that I think that running a slalom course. I don't want to make this about water skiing. You know, obviously, I do like to talk about toad water sports as a whole here, but. I didn't start learning how to run a course. I've been a water skier since I was a little kid, but I didn't start learning how to run a course until Thomas DeGasperi started pulling me around in around 2011, 2012. And arguably, I am a much better athlete on the water than I was as a kid. 100%. Hey, you know something about Thomas? Um, well, I just did the photo shoot with him, and... I'm pretty sure he was talking with Dennis Kelly about getting the 25 LSV instead of his, what does he normally slalom ski behind? A TXI. A TXI? Yeah. He, he was saying that he could still pull off, you know, whatever he runs. Is it 41 or whatever? But Yeah. He, he was like, you know, as long as I can surf this wave, it doesn't really matter. He was slalom ski behind anything out there. Yeah. He was, he was telling me how amped he was on the boat. That's, and I'm like, dude. 
but how are you going to train at Slavsky? He wants both. He wants both, and I think that would be cool. He does, and there's there's one of the boats we shot it, and I feel real bad for not remembering what it was, but it was a crossover boat, and he really was hitting Dennis Kelly up for an extra one of those. It, it, you know what? If there's a guy in our industry that deserves it, T-Gas does a great job of getting exposure. I mean, how are you not going to want to wake surf and slalom ski? There's nobody out there that slalom skis that's not like, oh, wake surfing's not cool at all. I mean, there might be, but until they do it, then they're like, wow. Yeah, they love it. They may never slalom ski ever again unless well, they're getting paid to do it. The only reason, the only thing is, is okay, I'll, I'll say this. So I go out skiing with a lot of skiers, and sometimes they'll be like, hey, Dano, let's, um, let's wake surf. I'm like, all right, cool. They put like five people on one side of their direct drive inboard, and the wake is about ankle high. And I'm just like, dudes. This just isn't wake surfing. I mean, we're we're technically wake surfing, but this just isn't wake surfing. Well, maybe maybe TS can spread the word now because he's been behind the biggest wake surfing wave in the industry. And we, I mean, every break we got at the Malibu photo shoot, we were wake surfing. We ran that thing out of gas so many times. I thought you were talking about the break that your twenty five LSV is putting off that surf break. Hey, how would you describe your riding style? You, you inspired by Sean Murray, but obviously a style of your own. You know, I have, I have only ridden a wakeboard just because it feels good, and I've never done anything unless I'm like training for contests. I've never done anything on a wakeboard that doesn't feel good, and that doesn't really appeal to contest riding, but. It does, I feel like it appeals to who I am and, and what I do on the water and how I express myself. And so I've just only ridden to, you know, to make things look good on the water and, and because they feel, do certain things because it feels like it looks good or feels good or whatever. So I'm not just going to go out there and just hook whatever I possibly can because it's the next 180 to get an extra point or whatever in a contest. I feel like I just ride because... It expresses who I am and, and what I do on the water. Yeah, I think you certainly do have some signature maneuvers. Uh, what what would you what would you say is your signature trick? Um, you know, a couple years ago, I did uh, w- one of the best things that I've ever done uh, was a a mute double roll to revert off of a double up, and I don't even know where it came from or why I tried it, but I was just. Like, it was spur-of-the-moment type thing. I was just like, I think I could really do this. And cut into a double-up and gave it a go and came right around on it. It took me a set or two to land one, but that's probably my, my signature move right there is the mute double-rolled revert. You got any any other doubles? I've tried some double tantrums, gotten really close on, on a few of them, and then I've tried... Uh, no, actually, that's it. Just a double roll to revert and then a double tantrum, but never done anything. The problem others. with that double tantrum, I was talking to Dino Smith about this. Like, we're both in in awe how Harley just does it, like, every single time because you have to be perfect. That's an, that's an almost an ankle-breaker trick. That is, even though I tried that double tantrum two years ago, that's why I have an ankle injury to date right now. That's why I'm sitting out the first two events of this year. Yeah. That's, that's because of that double tantrum two years ago. It just randomly swells back up on me and 
I'm so scared to go to the doctor again and get it looked at because I don't even know what he wants to tell me. Like, I don't want to know what he wants to tell me to, I need to do, you know, to get it healthy again. I'm scared surgery or something like that. So well, it doesn't look, it doesn't look too inflamed right now at the moment. It's not. And I'm nearly a hundred percent right now, but you know, it's just the smallest tweak on it can, it can swell right back up to a softball size. And then there I am sitting on the sidelines, driving a boat again and, that double Watching tantrum will do it rip. to you. That oh, double yeah. tantrum will do it to you. Yes, Even sir. The, I was trying to learn single tantrums, and I tweaked my ankle, and I was like, I don't Recently? So. When, when were you doing uh, that? Last November. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I, was, I decided I needed two inverts in my trick set. Not just the heel side back, but I needed the heel side tantrum as well. Didn't happen. I didn't give up. Trust me. I, I might still go out for it one of these days, but... Uh, Jeff, was there anybody that you ever wanted to, but you still haven't been able to ride with? Man, I would love to spend a week with all the guys on the West Coast. Vandal, Josh Twelker, Twelver, Tre- Trevor Marr. Sorry, excuse me, Trevor. Um, you know, and all there's a there's a few other guys out there too. But man, anytime you see a sequence of those guys in a magazine or a video of them or anything about those guys it is it's awesome to see how those guys you know present themselves to the industry it's amazing so and i I haven't gotten to spend any time other than at a contest or at a shoot something you know that's kind of like we got to knock it out real quick and get the shot and move on i've never been able to go out with those guys any of those guys and really ride and hang out and see them progress over a set or two or work on anything so i would love that and i've I've been meaning to go out there, but I just I haven't had time, man. I've been on the road so much, so. Hey, book it with me, man. I'm gonna head out uh, out west at some point and start knocking out podcast episodes with all those guys. I've got like a full list of all the West Coast riders I wanna I wanna meet up with, and of course, Vandal is definitely at the top of that list. Derek Cook too. Have you seen some of the stuff that he's put out there? Yeah, he's a he's a really really cool cat. Also, wow. He's, I mean, he got a cover early this year. He's had a couple sequences. I mean, that kid is first class when it comes to style. It's it's just so cool to see how these West Coast guys have continued to stay relevant, yet you don't really see them too much in contests. I mean, with the exception of like maybe Twelker. Yeah. Why why is it uh do you think that the guys out on the West Coast have such a different influence? on the industry than everybody else what would you say you know it's it's that's a good question because the fact is is it seems like here all the athletes are on the east coast but all the manufacturers are over there on the west coast you know it's just a different mentality it's a surf it's a more free ride mentality out there and it seems like it always has been i mean even going back to some of the first wakeboard videos watching spray and stuff like that and and seeing like those guys, you know, Billy McCaffrey and and uh, Greg Nelson, guys like Colin Wright, you know, a lot of the the pioneers of the sport, a lot of those West Coast dudes, just never really had that contest focus. You know, it was it was more about style and grabs and spins and stuff. Yeah, I, I really like that man. M- much props to those guys out there on the West Coast. They're they're freaking awesome, and they represent the sport really well. Here's a couple for you. Who's the most fun person? to wakeboard with Mm, that's a tough one there's got to be one oh yeah i mean obviously murray's in the runnings for that um 
Who else? You know, even though Travis doesn't wakeboard, to be around him on the boat, it's hilarious. I mean, he's constantly... Corrective criticism is his, you know, that's his forte. He's not, great not at constructive. It. You're talking corrective. I mean, <laughs> constructive, <laughs> excuse me. I don't know. I like corrective <laughs> criticism. He's telling you what to do while making fun of you at the same exact time. Oh, but it's more constructive. He's more just tearing you down than anything. I mean, he rips people so hard that they don't even know what he's telling them to do to correct what they're doing wrong. But it's so funny. But yeah. Um, man, I, I really think Murray, I really do. You know, the, the feeling that he gives somebody while they're out on the water wakeboarding and, and how positive he can be, no matter if you have a good set or a bad set, you come away from that set ready to go riding on to the next. So you don't have, you don't have to answer this next one if you don't want to, but the exact opposite on that one, you don't have to, I told you we're not going to try to stir up any drama here. But at the same time, I want to know this answer. You want to know who is the worst person that to ride with? Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm not going to answer that. I I honestly don't. I don't know of one right off the top of my head. I mean, a couple instances come to mind, but I know that's just because they may have had the worst set they've ever had or had in a long time or whatever. But I mean, anytime you're out in the boat, negative and and people just give everybody a negative feeling. It's not. It's nothing pleasant, obviously. It's nothing you want to be around. It's all this is this is a f- an industry about fun and. Uh, I mean, you're on the water all day, wakeboarding on a boat. It beats the hell out of a, a day job. Yeah, pushing pencils in a cubicle for exactly. sure. Exactly. Why? Why would you want to be giving people bad vibes? Who's the person that you ride with most often right now when you're when you're at home when you're in town? Um, e- either one of my uh, my landlord or my neighbor or Tony Carroll. I ride a lot with him actually. Um, he's always out. But yeah, Adam Arrington, Jimmy Larich, or Tony Carroll. At events or boat shows, trade shows, any appearances. This last weekend, I roomed with Jimmy. The Fox team said to me, "Do you mind rooming with?" Jim-? Actually, they probably said to Jimmy, "Do you mind rooming with Dano?" But uh, anybody that you refuse to room with when traveling. That's almost as bad as the last question. <laughs> I know. I told you I was going to try, but I'm trying to get at least w- one little. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, because, I mean, I mean, there have been a couple instances in the last, co- in the last few weeks. Let's throw it out weekend. here. Your sponsor, Matt the Cat from Malibu, man, he snores so loud. Oh. Right? Oh. So do you refute like for me? I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay in a room with Matt the Cat because otherwise I'm gonna have to pay for a hotel room at one of my upcoming events that I didn't put hotel room into the uh, contract. So I chose that I'm gonna stay in a hotel room with Matt the Cat. I also brought uh, am bringing earplugs and earmuffs because of his snoring. You wanna know what's bad? Yeah, let's hear it. I snore so loud. I ran Matt the Cat out of my hotel room and his hotel room at a boat show up in Chicago this past yeah, winter. So you're so you're the guy that you're the guy that everyone's refusing to I'm, room with. Yeah. If you ask anybody else that question, it's gonna be me more than likely. There's a couple though that I know they wouldn't they would Well you know, I'm not making fun of him, but Rodrigo is a snorer. Dude, uh, some people just snore. They can't help it. Or you can be like, me included. I I snore I saw logs. You could be like me, even though I don't try to get bad about this all the time, but I am the guy who 
gets to the hotel room at two thirty in the morning and and want to chat for like another hour and a half. You're like, God, won't this guy just go to sleep? It's the best when I it's the best when I want to stay awake all night. But when the other guy just wants to go to sleep, I'm like, man, I just want to stay up and talk. You know what's funny is that the very first event I ever drove, like as I was getting paid to drive, was I was with Travis Moy. I got put in a in a hotel room with him, and first night, you know, we we obviously went out, had a few beverages, and came home. Got ready for the next day. We went to bed and uh, woke up, and Travis is a very straightforward person. The first thing he said was, "Langley, we got to figure something out." He said, this ain't going to roll all summer long like this. It ain't going to happen. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he shows me a video of me snoring song logs. I couldn't believe how loud. I mean, it was like. (laughs) It was bad. (laughs) And I'm sure he showed that video to everybody. Oh, yeah. Everybody saw it. It was real bad. You know who's been getting a lot of exposure lately is your teammate, Dallas Friday. I don't know. I, I'm sure you've seen social media, but I don't know if you've actually seen the body issue. But uh, how'd you how'd you like Dow? I'm I'm really pumped for Dallas. Um, I've actually been going over and riding with her on Holden a lot lately. Like, she's got a really good setup. Uh, she's got her MXZ loaded down. Wake's awesome, you know. And and it's kind of cool because if winds are bad here on Clear Lake, you kind of can get a better line over there on uh, on Holden. So. I'm pumped for Dallas. You know, I've been hearing about the body issue coming out for the last three or four months and heard when they drove for it and all that. And it's so cool to see somebody in the wakeboarding industry being able to get that much exposure to, you know, everybody out there. I mean, that's way beyond anybody in the wakeboarding industry. Way more exposure than anybody in the wakeboarding industry can get, really. And I'm stoked for Dallas because it's kind of like almost... Uh, uh, you know, she hasn't gone anywhere, but at the same time, you know, there's been a lot of other really, really great girl riders come out and maybe overshadow. Dallas is still top three, top four rider every single contest, but uh, she's in better shape than I've seen her in in a long, long time, and it translates onto the water. She's riding better than ever, and. You know, even at contests, you know, you can tell she's just so happy. She's she's excited to interact with the fans and everything. She's doing an amazing job. Yeah, that uh, you know, that body issue is just like Dallas reestablishing her herself in the industry and showing that she's not she's not letting up anytime soon. You know, she may be older. There's a lot of younger girls coming up that are ripping, but Dallas isn't going anywhere. She's she's here to stay. So it's really cool, man. I I was pumped to see that. I was real pumped to see that, actually. Yeah, me too. That was pretty cool. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna just throw it out there, not to be immature, but how do you get the job to be the boat driver for that? Right? I would, I would have taken the job to be the spotter. Who's the photographer? Yeah. Was that Jay Lee? That was Jason Lee. Jay Lee, lucky son of a gun. Jay Lee, let me get some of those photos. Are you R- listening, Jay Lee? They, they, he had to get rid of those right away. He sent them in and had to. I guess it was part of the contract. You know, he didn't. Get he, rid of all those. Yeah, have you met Jason Lee? He's like the most like uh, he's. I'm not gonna call him a square, but he's a pretty pretty conservative guy. Yeah, you know, he always has been. He didn't get rid of all those photos. <laughs> Let's hope not. But <laughs> w- 
What's going on with you and O'Brien? Your uh, Bruce Pro model seems to be doing really well. Man, uh, things are great with me and O'Brien. Actually, we just did uh, a new Pro model for 2016 that will carry probably through 2018 or so. Let's hope. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a whole new shape, and I'm loving it. I've been riding it for the past year basically, and and it's freaking awesome so it's much lighter than last year's which i'm really pumped about uh, a few other features that that i wanted to you know bring from the last board into this one that i'm really pumped about too so it's gonna be great o'brien's been doing a great job they they're developing an amazing young team how, how much do you have to do with any of that man i i really uh i don't have a lot to do with that i mean i definitely support who we have now but Kobe, Kobe really has set all that up, and he, you know, he's coached a lot of those kids that, like Corey Tunison and Parker Siegley and some of the other boys, Gunnar Daft, Robbie Hollihan, all those guys are coming up. Kobe's, Kobe's pretty much done all that, so uh, that's really cool to see. I mean, big ups to the Micker and the Mika. Tara, Tara's got her hands in there yeah. a little bit too. She's part of the d- development. Oh, team. you know those women. You know they gotta say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, you give us two or three years. O'Brien's gonna be in there, hot and heavy, man. It's gonna be good. Well, I agree. I think they're as of right now, they're kind of dominating the the junior scene. It looks like. Oh, easily. Yes. Easily. Um, moving forward with the season, about halfway through when we're recording, while we're recording this episode of the Golden Mike Podcast, I'd say we're probably about halfway through the 2015 Wakeboard World Series. Uh, WWA or non-WWA, any events that you're really, really looking forward to? Uh, yeah, actually, I go to Tokyo uh, middle to the end of August, I believe. I go to Tokyo in the middle of the yeah. end of August. Dude, the Malibu Pro Series, stepping it up this Evolution year. Evolution Pro, man, insane. Wow. Yeah. And, I, you know, I go there early and leave late, um, and I get to shoot Mount Fuji uh, and a couple other spots, I think, and... You know, supposedly Tokyo is one of the coolest spots in the world to go to. I don't know details. I just hear it's one of the cleanest, most futuristic places that you can possibly go. So I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. I, I, I'm so honored that I've got to go. It's actually uh, the evolution. The Tokyo Pro is the week after Yo-Yo World Championships in Where Tokyo. The, what? Yep. Are you going to go to those? No, no, no. I, I'm working the week before we've got wakeboard nationals in America, but um, a lot of my friends from yo-yoing are st- like some of the Duncan pro yo-yo players. Hank Freeman's going to be out there. So You you might. Are you uh, sure you don't want to call in sick? I, I do, but I can't. Where do you think you would fall in that, you know, ranking of – it, it, as far the, as like if I were to go to a yo-yo contest, yeah, and 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 compete, it uh, would be is this, that what you say? Yeah, compete. It would be the same as if let's just say I were to sign up for pro in wakeboard, it would be the same results. Yes, I can go out and put together something that looks cool. So you would win it all. No, <laughs> yeah, right. Have you seen me wakeboard, son? <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm good. Not great. And definitely so not awesome. Those guys, I mean, I've seen you whip out that yo-yo before. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm pretty decent. impressive. But you're saying that the guys at the Tokyo Yo-Yo Worlds, Worlds, yeah, whole another level, boy, would just be. Oh yeah, you oh. wouldn't stand a chance. No way, in my dreams. 
Wow. In my dream. That's crazy. I yeah. mean, I can't, I don't even, I can't comprehend what you Well, did. you'll see. You'll see. In Tokyo, I've got a couple of the guys, they're going to come by and show us their maneuvers. Very so nice. I can't maybe, wait. Maybe you can trade wakeboard lessons with them. Easy. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Jeff, this has been pretty good. I want to give the listeners an opportunity to follow you on social media or whatever it is that, that you're on. How, how do they do that? Man, Instagram has been pretty much my, my biggest uh, social media outlet, and it's Jeff Langley underscore. At Jeff Langley underscore has been, uh, that's my Instagram. Are you on and Facebook? I am, and all that Instagram flows right into Facebook. It flows into Twitter, too, which I really don't, I don't use Twitter hardly at all. Um, I should probably use it way more than yeah, I do, but welcome to my world. Yeah. Uh, but Instagram mostly, and then that flows into Facebook and you know, I check messages on Facebook once a month and sometimes I get these people that are really upset with me because I don't answer their messages and I, I do as much as I can. I answer these messages, but I don't check Facebook hardly at all. So don't be upset with me if I don't answer your message. I'm not mad, man. Can you not, just accept you, my friend request? Oh, you didn't get? Yeah, you never accepted my friend request. Oh. And also, don't forget to give the Golden Mike podcast page on Facebook a like. I've been trying to hit some big numbers lately, so I need I need your uh, support. Hey, as soon as we get in, I'll take care of that immediately. Uh, all right, and if if I, if I don't see it, I'll make sure to text you. Yeah, yeah, just shoot me that link, bro, and I'll, I'll click. You'll post you know, it. Maybe yeah. repost it? Yeah, yeah. Share? Yeah. Share it? Easy. Your sponsors, why don't you give them some love real fast? For Malibu go. Boats, obviously. Thank you. It is so nice having this thing in my backyard, and, and my training has come to a whole other level. My riding, it's been awesome. And even putting people in, in this boat, man, to see them sit down in this thing and, and be so pumped to be on the water, thank you so much. Um, O'Brien Wakeboards, man, you guys really got my career going. Thank you so much for that. I'm loving my new board. 1080 Clothing. Scott Hannigan out at 1080. You guys have been a huge supporter in my career, too. Um, Tommy's a Malibu dealer here in Florida, Michigan, Denver. Thank you, guys. Spectrum Sports Performance, uh, my local trainer uh, here in Orlando. Thank you, guys, as well. Langley, I want to thank you so much having me out here on your boat, taking some time out of your night. I know you've been busy traveling. I literally had 24 hours in town to not even 24 20 hours to make this happen for my next flight and uh for you to be on it have me out here it definitely means a lot and i know that uh the listeners are going to appreciate this one big time yeah Dano, no worries thanks for ruining my wake surf session that i had going it was it was beautiful out calm waters sun setting uh no worries it was a great time hey come on man ended up being good times right yes it did thank you so much Dano, for having me i really appreciate it all right, guys, more good times coming up after a quick word here on the Golden Mike Podcast. SeaDeck is the leading manufacturer of a range of comfortable and durable EVA non-skid products for the marine industry. Working with the manufacturing leaders in towed water sports boats, SeaDeck has redefined non-skid flooring. No more stinky carpet or hard rubber mats. ZDeck provide exceptional non-skid, a luxurious feel, and because it can be customized to your specification, a unique look that will set your boat apart from the crowd. For a more in-depth look and for more information, visit SeaDeck.com and you have the perfect addition to your boat. Langley is a hard worker, no doubt, and a pretty funny guy as well. He's definitely making his way up to the totem pole within the industry, 
but he's so well deserving of it too. Jeff Langley is the guy you want at your event, whether it's riding, driving, judging, or just drinking a beer. He brings a cool vibe. Jeff is one of those riders that proves if you work hard enough, you can achieve just about anything. And that's why I was so pumped to have him as a guest on the Golden Mike podcast. Who do you, the listeners, want to hear? I've gotten some messages asking about Bob Sovin, Sean Murray, Byerly, Phil Sovin, and I even had a request for Cody Double Moby Triple Flip Hess. Well, they're all going to be on, trust me guys, but I still want to hear from you, all of you. Your feedback, it's always welcomed and encouraged. Shoot me a note through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com, or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page, and don't forget to give us a like. Again, I'm on Twitter at TheDanoTMano and at the Golden underscore Mike. Also on Instagram, you can shoot me that follow or you can just like my pics and maybe, you never know, I'll follow you. Almost a thousand people I follow right now, so it's up in the air. Just just shoot those likes and those follows, guys, at DanoTMano. Thank you again to Jeff Langley. What a great guest. And now a few shout outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to Performance Ski and Surf and PerfSki.com, Hydra Fenders, Hungry Boards, SUP, Woodrose, Jammy Pack, Sea Deck Marine Products, GoPuck, my friends at Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. That's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Daniel Lamano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.